0: This is the Athlete Mindset Podcast hosted by Lisa Bontasumi. And it's all about mental health in sports. This podcast is presented and produced by Sports Epreneur, part of the Source Network. This podcast series is a space for conversations with athletes, coaches, practitioners, and stakeholders in sports. And it's where those individuals share their perspectives, experiences, and thoughts on mental health in sports. I am Eric Kazimov, the founder of Cast Source and the creator of Sports Epreneur. And we're hosting the Athlete Mindset Podcast on this platform as I deeply believe these conversations are essential and deserve to be prioritized. If you would like to be featured on this show or one of our many other shows, or if you're looking to create your own content, please reach out to us. You can find us at sportse.io, or you can connect with me on linkedin or twitter lisa bontasumi is a psychotherapist and mental performance consultant to high performing athletes at the youth collegiate and professional levels she's the first ever mental health and performance coach for oakland roots sc a men's professional soccer team in the usl lisa is the founder and ceo of ath mindset and she's the host of this podcast athlete mindset
1: Welcome back to another exciting episode of Twins Talk It Up. We have a special treat for all of you today. Coming onto the program is incredibly talented leaders, two respected leaders in their field. One of them's been on the program before. She's not a stranger. If you want to go back to episode 79, we were fortunate enough to have Lisa Bontesumi come on the program and talk about the importance of mental health in sports. She's the founder, CEO of Ath Mindset LLC, and she also serves as a mental health and sports performance specialist with the Oakland Roots Sports Club in California. It's a professional soccer club, a part of the USL Championship or United Soccer League. Also joining her is Dr. Tiana Woolridge. Dr. Tiana Woolridge is a sports medicine doctor and serves as a primary care sports medicine physician for UCLA Health. She was also a Division One athlete and. We found out, not only was she an incredible athlete, she actually won a national championship. She understands the pressure, the stress, and all the tolls that come with being an athlete at a high level. Lisa, Tiana, thank you for joining us on the program. How are you both doing today?
2: I'm doing awesome. I'm super excited to be here again. It's our honor and privilege to be alongside you guys today, and I'm ready to get into it.
3: Yes, exactly. I'm pumped to be here. I love this twin energy. I'm hoping I have twins one day, can just knock it all out one go. So I'm embracing all this twin en- energy today.
1: <laughs> this is Danny. And uh, I'm really excited for the fact that if you do have twins, they have a high bar they have to hit, right? Specifically, if they play sports, you have to be better than your parents. And if they don't win a national championship, they're in trouble.
2: Right. <laughs> And that's Ms. over here talking about a pediatrician saying, I want all my kids at one time. Like, I guess.
3: <laughs> I know. I know it's, it's going to be tough, but whew, I just, uh, we'll see. We'll see. Fingers crossed. We'll there you go. a couple of years and listen to this again.
1: <laughs> so I love the fact that, uh, as Dave mentioned earlier, a lot of our clients, this is Danny, are really excited about mindset. And the reason why that's so important, because they receive training, they receive plans all day long but they don't have the right mindset they can't accomplish. They get stuck. They get into a rut. They just don't move forward. And what I love about this, what we're talking about right now, we're going to dive into this resource. It is for athletes and professionals. Notice I say athletes and professionals who want to take control of their mental health. The Ath Mindset Workbook. Now, you guys can get this at Barnes & Noble. You can go online and get this. The Ath Mindset Workbook, training your mind for optimal mental health in sport and in life. I love how even the title makes it crystal clear that this is for leaders both on and of course off the field of competition. Lisa, can you tell us about the inspiration behind creating the Ath Mindset Workbook and exactly how this applies, not only just for athletes, but also for the professionals?
2: Yes, thank you so much. I mean, I think it's so important because I think that all performers are athletes and all athletes are performers. And the C-suite corporate America leaders who are in front of people are having to present and present their ideas soundly and concretely need to be able to be grounded in how they present. So when we talk about app mindset, it's like, who wants that high-performing athlete mindset in whatever it is you do? Moms, teachers, first responders, all of us, right? So the birth of this book, I'll tell a little story, then T can chime in. So I've been asked before, Let's collab on a book or you should write a book. I'm like, okay, it's easier said than done. I should do a lot of things, but I'm not gonna go ahead and just go do that. But there was something special about Tiana. So we met by mutual friend Karen Phelps Moyer, the daughter of Digger Phelps, a legendary coach, basketball coach for men in at Notre Dame University. And Tiana's father played there collegiately. And so when Karen and I started getting closer. I was like, you need, she's like, you need to meet Tiana. She's special. She's awesome. She's a mental health advocate. She's this, she's that. I was like, of course I will. And so I, I reached out to her and then we chatted. I was like, I need you on my podcast, interviewed her. And then it was a friendship from there. And T, correct me on the facts, but I think that it was a matter of weeks. You're like, hey, we got to collab. Mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm. Immediately. I was just like, there is, a beautiful coming together of minds, like a beautiful chemistry in the way that we see the world, this the way that we see athletics. And I think really important in circling back to the question around, you know, why this work, why this matters, there's so many life lessons that you learn through sports that will carry you along towards success in life. Like looking at the number of particularly women who are in C-suite type positions, most of them were athletes. And I think that that says a lot. Like a lot of the skills, and we can kind of get into this later, but a lot of the things that I learned along the way. As an athlete, were things that directly impacted me. Going through medical school and the rigors of residency, and now as a physician, they're the same type of mental skills mindset that I use to get me through. So, yeah, this was a match made in heaven.
1: That's awesome. This is David, and I appreciate both of you sharing that. And you both have unique backgrounds. You're well respected in your field, and the love that I have for sport, the love that I have for mental, let's say, toughness, and helping people to become their best is something I've been integrated even within my own elevator pitch. In my elevator pitch, I share with people all the time that the top athletes in the world, the top performers, regardless of what background or profession they're in, that they seek coaching, they seek outside resources that help them to be their very best. And that's what this is. This is a resource that help these leaders become their very best, and I love that. So this workbook has it all. It has something that covers fundamentals of what we call mental health basics. Uh, what are some of the warning signs that you might be able to first identify mental illness? How do you optimize mental health well-being? How do you implement this into getting your best in what we call peak performance? These are all important aspects of a professional helping their career to get that edge. Can you both maybe touch briefly from your perspective on what's gonna set the ATH Mindset Workbook apart from any other resources out there or any other type of, let's say, professional link, website, coach they can sit down with, but what could set this resource aside for athletes, coaches, and professionals alike to say, I want this workbook?
2: So what stands out about our workbook, and I tell Tiana this all the time, is the authors. Who we bring in our professions, how we're trained, how we view sports, the athlete, and mindset and mental health. It's our lived experiences. I value very much, and this is another reason why I accepted the invitation from Tiana to write this, is she's a Black woman, I'm a brown woman. It's important for us to represent our communities in the work that we produce and the work that we put out to the world. And so you're going to get personal stories from us. You're going to get our perspectives, our experiences. You're going to get us in action through QR codes. I think what Tiana and I want it to be really important is that this book is for all folks with all learning styles. And and we call that people of neurodiversity. If you take in something by reading it, you can read it. If you take in something by watching a video, you can scan a QR and watch it. If you take it in by writing, there's journal pages and places to write it in there. And so I can't say enough that our intellectual value and our experiences as professionals and as BIPOC women is what sets this. Workbook apart from any other.
3: Absolutely. I love that. And I I feel like that is what's so unique for me is that there are a lot of standard resources out there that say, okay, this is mental health. This is what's important. Sleep well, eat well. You know, here's a random video. But having something that ties together our lived experiences is so huge. And I really look at this workbook and the arc of the workbook, the way that it's structured as reflective of my life, like literally pouring out kind of the stream of my life in this book form. So I talk about this in the book a little bit, but I come from a background, of family history of mental illness. My dad had a substance use disorder and had to briefly stop playing in the NBA to go to rehab. So that's something I grew up with my whole life. Like I had this kind of understanding of mental illness, of mental health from a very, very young age, but it wasn't until I got into college and later on where I learned how to actually take care of my mental health. And those are skills that I want people to know young children to know before they even encounter any potential issue within themselves or within a loved one. So that book kind of goes from like what are the basics? What do you need to know? How do you spot those warning signs? Okay, great, you know that. How do we build? How do we optimize? How do we kind of learn all these tools that are going to help you today in your sport and 10, 20 years down the line as a professional? So all of that is in there. And then it kind of closes out with this idea of retirement from sport and how that impacts one's mental health is, you know, <laughs> Me in general, coming out of a high-level athletic career, had plenty of challenges adjusting to normal life after that, um, as in many, many friends of mine. And so being able to just pour all that out into a book and reflect back, like, these were my life experiences. Like, this is what I lived, this is what I learned along the way, and I'm giving this to the world to try to help somebody else navigate it better <laughs> and more easily than I did along the way. That's really the goal of the book, and I think, again, that's what sets it apart.
1: I love that. And I appreciate both of you sharing. This is David, by the way, about not only your unique experiences that you're bringing that to the table, but you're also organized. You've also organized the workbook in such a way that it's easy to follow. You can find yourself in your own journey, your own leadership journey throughout that workbook. And then at the very end, let's, let's be honest, a lot of these athletes that play, let's say college, they'll never go beyond collegiate and become a professional, You know, whether they play in the US or overseas. And even the ones that do, the small percentage, as if it's 2% of the entire people that play collegiate sports, they become professionals. That career is not very long for most of them. You know, you're not gonna see 23, 24, 25 year career. Most of the time, you're gonna see a two to five year career. And then what do you do afterwards? Where's my identity? It was all wrapped up in becoming this incredible performer or this driven leader. But now you have to change that in a way where you can bring that to what call professional corporate world to your family. So I love that you've done that. You know, Lisa, we had you on before, and we talked about how mental health is not only gaining more attention. We talk about the Naomi Osaka's out there. We're talking about different leaders who said, Hey, this is important. I do struggle. You know, these guys are taking hold of their life and saying, This is important to me, no matter how you guys might look at it. And they're caring for their mental health and their well being, and they're implementing it as a strategy, not just as a part of their routine, but they're looking at it as, as just as important as their physical health. Besides that aura of being an athlete. And you work with athletes every day, Lisa. What are some other specific challenges or perhaps misconceptions that these athletes might have regarding their mental health and actually addressing it? And what I would say, be courageous or just being real with where they are?
2: No, thank you for the question. I mean, I think the ongoing process of reducing stigma about what mental health is, I think so many people still think mental health is the same as mental illness. And I'm like, mm, I see why, just because of our society and the way we talk about it in other societies too across the world. But I think it's really important why physical health and physical illness are not synonymous. Why would mental health and mental illness be synonymous? So breaking that down, that everyone has mental health, just like we have physical health, and we all live on a continuum of how healthy we are, and that we have agency. Creating that health within us. And so I think that's the biggest barrier. I think even on my team, the Oakland Roots, our team represents so many nations, so many countries, and the stigma is real. And that like it's not okay to talk about our feelings. That means you're weak, or you're making an excuse, or like it's a luxury to talk about how you're feeling and your mental health because we're trying to get food on the table. So there's a way that we have to invite and insist that this conversation happen. And make sure that our athletes who are fathers, in my case, with, with my team, our fathers, our sons, our husbands need to feel solid in who they are performing on the field and then in their roles and responsibilities and other identities in their lives.
3: Hmm. I love that word agency. Like that, I just been stuck on that word ever since that came out of your mouth because that is a really huge goal of mine with this book is to give people the agency to be able to take control of their mental health. Mm-hmm. That sticks out so much, too, as a pediatrician, as somebody who has been a public health professional and, you know, went to public health school, have a master's, all of that. I've seen how difficult it's been, again, especially for folks of color, folks living in lower income settings, like to get access to the care they need, to the mental health care they need, to the physical health care they need. And so a lot of what I feel passionate about as a doctor is like getting the tools that we have in the hospital out into the community and out into the world. So there's not this barrier or this wall that exists in between, you know, the professionals who have all the knowledge and the people who need that knowledge. And so that's been a big goal of what I've been doing with this book and with other projects that I've worked on is give people the tools to be able to take control of their lives, to be able to take control of their health, to be able to take control of their performance. Because for me, that's what sets aside someone from being average and and somebody from being elite, you know, somebody from being high level is being able to say, okay, well, I'm just going to show up in this practice and do the things that somebody tells me. Whereas if you take agency, you're like, okay, I'm going to put in extra hours. I'm going to watch film. I'm going to, you know, do these drills on my own. I get home from practice at like 10 PM. Those are all those things that I was doing on the side, getting those extra reps in, putting in that extra work, having that agency to get me to the next level to, you know, win a gold medal, to be able to play in college, all these things. And it's the same thing for mental health in my mind. Like there are tools out there. There are strategies. There are Uh, visualization techniques there's all these things you can do to take yourself to the next level and that's that's really what i want this book to do
1: this is danny and uh i feel that what you're saying is so key today more than ever there's been a light that's shined out now as dave talked about earlier that now with all the resources that are available the tools that are available there should be little reason why no one can say i can't get help everyone can get help. If you have access to the internet, you can get help. But this workbook is so crucial because a lot of times we hear somebody say something, but if we can actually read it and follow it and do it and put it into practice, that's when change will happen. That's when we have this impact. When I think about some of the clients we work with, I'm very, very happy that one of our clients, of course, is Microsoft. And they also allow this thing called the mental health day. Well, you can actually take time away. No questions asked as an employee, to go focus on your mental health. Because it's very stressful to be in this field of cloud sales, AI, artificial intelligence, where at times you feel like, I just can't keep up. I got to get up early. I have to work. I have to take care of my kids. I have to come home. I have to get back to work again. And I see some of these people on at 9, 10, 11, 12 o'clock at night still working, not realizing that the organization they're at says, look, you have no questions asked. You can actually take time away to focus on your mental health. This thing that in your book, the stress response, right? It includes the physical and thought responses to your perception of various situations. What it really means is that at any moment of time, no matter what's going on, I can physically visualize all these negative things happening, and now my body is degrading. There's this response of wanting to flight, you know, just fight and fly and get away from everything and everyone around me. But there's a lot of stuff that's happening from a medical perspective. There's a lot of stuff happening right now. And of course, Dr. T, I'm going to ask you a little bit about that. If you can explain a little bit about what's really happening from a medical perspective when it comes to this adrenaline, this cortisol, this stress, everything that's going on during this time of stress that's happening right now, how can professionals, how can athletes understand the situation they're in and how can they actually get moving forward without just being so frozen? by the moment and not doing anything. Can you talk a little bit more about that? I mean, there's a lot of stuff we can talk about from a medical yeah. science perspective, but can you give your thoughts on that?
3: Absolutely. I'll kick it off. And then Lisa, I know you, this is an each and every day thing you do. So I definitely want to hear your thoughts on this. And I will try my best not to nerd out because there's some deep like biochemical psychosocial stuff, classroom text. I want to talk about neurotransmitters and all that, but I'm going to leave all that out for <laughs> another day. But on a basic level, a lot of people know about the fight or flight response, right? You see something scary, a bear is chasing you down, and you you freak out all of a sudden. Your body is sending off all these signals to your eyes to dilate so you can see better, to your muscles to tense up so you can run faster, fight if you need to. You start sweating more, all your blood flow kind of shifts to your muscles and things like that. And so that's really helpful in the short term to be able to deal with whatever you have to deal with. But we have to be able to turn that off because if we leave that system on all the time, It's going to cause damage. And we've seen that. The medical research has shown that. Causing damage like, you know, issues like high blood pressure, chronic headaches, chronic fatigue, heart disease, immune-related issues. There's all these kinds of negative consequences of prolonged stress responses. And so, and especially for young children, there's lots of research showing about how, like, prolonged stress is really, really linked to poor health in adulthood. Again, I'm going to stop myself before I dive too long on that. but. The really, really important part about that is understanding how we can turn the stress response off, and recognizing that it is a response to something. And like any response, you have control over it. It may be easier, for example, if somebody you know pisses you off or cuts you off in traffic. Your quick response is going to be to like, I don't know, flip them off and scream and like lose your mind. But you also, it's a response. You have a moment where you could take a deep breath and like, you know, just wish them well and go about your day. And so. It's the same thing. There's the easy response and there's the harder response. What's really, really cool to me is uh, a skill that I learned in uh, my volleyball career as a Princeton athlete, talk about this in the book, is that there is a way that you can teach your body how to interpret that stress response, the muscles being tense, you know, feeling sweaty or feeling nervous. There's a way you can kind of look at that and say, all right, this is my body, becoming ready and prepared to take on whatever challenges in front of me that I will take on and conquer successfully. And so I would literally use that, you know, I would be on the sideline of a game, you know, ready to go in or, you know, I'd be waiting for the serve to come over the net. I knew the ball was going to me to get this last point to win the game or to not lose the game. (laughs) And I would have to use these things where I was in the moment and I'm like, I feel my body physical stress response happening. Let me take a moment And tell myself these things that I know to control the response and to bring that down and use it more productively.
2: That's so awesome. I love that you can talk about your personal experience, T. It's so inspiring and so cool. I mean, I think from the psychotherapeutic background that I hold and in and in the mental performance sports psychology training that I have, you know, reinterpret I mean what you're talking about as being able to reappraise, reappraise what has always been. So If I feel sweaty palms, eyes big, heart rate increasing, that's always been to me like I'm scared. or I need to fight, flight, or freeze. Sometimes we do all three in in a certain kind of order or whatever. Like it's all part of the response. But if we can simply like tell our brain that it's okay, that there's nothing to be alarmed by with that breath, so much changes. And again, I'm not going to nerd out either, but like there's so much that can change From a neurological, biochemical standpoint, when you give your body and brain that reassurance that everything's okay, you loosen up and perform better. Just like if you're a C-suite professional giving a presentation, oh my God, everybody's looking at me. I'm so freaked out. I don't want to do this. It's all good. Now you get in your flow. That's the goal with all this, to get in your flow state, whatever your your performance is, and being able to tell yourself positive self-statements that I'm okay. I'm here to rock it. No other reason. Bring it. Like, hit the ball to me, please, because I'm about to show you what I can do with it. So, like, having that kind of internal self-dialogue is really, really important with a lot of the, like, high school collegiate athletes I work with. The chatter inside is negative. So, if we have that agency and we can respond to it, it makes it all that much better.
1: This is David. And I want to share so many things because I'm smiling as you both are talking. It's bringing me back to some of the conversations you and I have had, Lisa. conversations i have with my clients as a public speaking coach there are so many clients that are c-suite members business owners and they just freeze because they have the wrong perspective they don't tell themselves in my mind the truth this is actually one of my keynote speeches tell yourself the truth quit telling yourself all the lies that's going to make you stay in that state of fear paralysis by analysis you're overthinking Tell yourself the truth that if you don't speak, if you don't share your voice, if you don't give your, your perspective, people are going to walk away with something missing. They need to hear you. You are worth getting that stage. You are worth listening to. You are worth giving your, you know, what you can do to help bring value. This is important. I love that you've done this. You both kind of touched on this a little earlier about the power of visualizations, the affirmation statements, the things that we do to rewire our own thinking Lisa, mindfulness is a theme in the book. It's something that you talk about in the workbook. And so I have a two part question. And by the way, you can geek out anytime you want to. Dan and I love that kind of stuff. Okay. If we have to do a part two episode, we'll do it. But how can mindfulness, in terms of practicing that, benefit athletes both on and off the field? And, and as you mentioned earlier, even those who are in the C suite, they're like athletes because they've got to perform. They've got a highly driven, demanding job sometimes that, that could take so much out of them. But how can they implement mindfulness techniques that can help them to either work through the challenge that they're in, or get to the point where, as Lisa said, hey, I want the ball to come to me. So that's probably my first part of questions. question is how can these practices benefit them? And are there one or two you might be willing to share with us today?
2: Yeah, of course. Thank you for the question. I mean, I think it's important to define what mindfulness is. It's an umbrella term for being in the moment, being self-aware, having an intention. So mindfulness, the umbrella statement, being full in your mind, being aware. Okay. And then there's different techniques that we can use under that umbrella to access those pauses, those moments. So meditation comes to mind. Mental t- meditation is a mental tool that helps in the development of the mental skill of being able to regulate your emotions. Meditation is a mental tool that when trained on consistently can help in the development of being able to regulate emotions. What am I talking about? That means that if you are having a regular meditation practice, and that doesn't have to be like sitting for two hours with your arms and legs crossed and oming out or whatever. It doesn't mean that it can be if that's what you want it to be, but it doesn't have to be. It can be a minute every other day. That's a practice because it's consistent. And it's a certain time, and you're doing it. You can grow your practice, develop it. But what it does, it helps you normalize the distractions internally and externally that you have. We all have that. That's what life is. But as Tiana is talking about, what is your response to those distractions? It is your breath, it's bringing it back to the breath, back to the moment, back to where we are. As some of my athletes say, I want to be where my feet are, and your breath can help you with that. Okay. And so when I ask my athletes, part of their mental training program is meditations. You do this off the field so that you don't like curse out the rest when I make a bad call on the field. That's what we do. For example, in soccer, there's so many scenarios of that. We want to have a head, a steady head, a clear head, keep our head while we execute and perform in our sport. So that's one thing. I think we talked about the breath. T, did you want to add anything? to mindfulness and, and skills that we've talked about in our book? Yeah, just, just really,
3: again, hitting home the evidence in the research base behind practices like mindfulness. There have been a ton of ton of research around showing the different health benefits of mindfulness in terms of, again, reducing blood pressure, reducing a lot of illnesses that are connected to prolonged stress responses. So again, the blood pressure, cardiovascular disease, mental illness, there's a direct link between those who practice mindfulness regularly and those who are healthier, not necessarily suffering from these diseases. So that is a huge, you know, from just the perspective of taking agency of your own life, of your lifespan, your life expectancy, mindfulness is a huge, huge, huge benefit in that way. I am somebody who does a little bit of mindfulness every single morning. It's like first thing I do, turn on an app, turn on a 10-minute guide of meditation every morning to start my day off because... And I'm sure a lot of you can relate to this and all of you here that I'm talking to on this podcast can relate to this. As people who are highly involved in their community, as people who are highly involved at work, reach a high level in their profession, your mind is going 24-7. You have 45 projects that you're currently working on. You have 20 other projects that you should be working on and about 300 other projects that you would like to be working on at all times. And you know, for you all, you have like your children and things like that, I have my chinchilla who, you know, re- fills up a nice little spot in my brain in terms of what I'm thinking about a lot. But no, there's other things. you know, there's children, there's family members, there's different responsibilities, there's social media. There's all of these different things that fill up our mind on a day-to-day basis that it honestly takes a moment of intentional practice being mindful to realize how much chatter you have going on in your head all the time. And if you don't sit down intentionally. Take that time to just recognize that you'll never understand how high your stress level is all the time. So it's just really, really important, just from a self awareness perspective, to take those mindful moments and say, Oh, okay, I'm functioning here. And like, even if I can't in this moment bring that stress level down, I can be aware of it and I can make it a priority to work towards bringing that down. So that's kind of my thought on mindfulness and why I prioritize that so much on a daily basis.
2: No, I want to add, and I think that's so important to say that you know we haven't arrived. Like T and I haven't arrived. Oh God, yet. no! <laughs> and I, and I, we don't have to do this anymore. We have to do it more. Yes, be more intentional in the high performance and high demands of our careers. And so I start every morning as well with a moment of of meditation, guided. I'm not going to say the app I use because they're going to need to owe me some money for like <laughs> putting them off. And I'm not their sponsor yet, but maybe I can be. But like, and I start every one of my athlete sessions with a three minute body scan, which is a form of meditation as well. I like that one for athletes because they can do things when it relates to the body and they can check in. and It's actually really, really super effective for them for some reason, which I like and learn. And so we have to practice what we preach. We have to take care of our own mental health and practice these moments. Like even on the soccer field, when there's a stoppage of time, right, for an injury or a set piece or something, I have my guys, I try to remind them that's an opportunity to actually also take a deep breath. We're not just going to hydrate and nourish with goo our bodies, but we're going to take a breath for our minds. And the more that we're in sync, the more happy you're going to feel on the field and the harder you can compete and the higher your performance
1: is. So this is Danny. And one of the things I hear from the both of you, that I think is so crucial to have as a daily habit is always wake up in the morning and always focus on taking some mindset, some breathing. And I think it's so important, the meditation, prayer, whatever people like to do, mm-hmm. it's so crucial that you do it every single day. As you said, you both have it arrive, right? Every day, no matter how much you do, no matter how many PhDs, MDs you get, there's going to be something that's just going to get in there one of these days. And so it's very important to continue daily to focus on meditation, prayer, to focus on breathing. And I love the fact that it just made me think about going to the doctor's office the other day and having a conversation with my friend who said that every time he goes to the doctor's office, his, his numbers are so high, but when he comes home, they're normal. And I said, because you go into the doctor's office and automatically in your mind, you're worried, what are they going to say? What's going to happen? What's going on? And so your heart is beating faster than normal and your blood pressure is going up. I want you to do this one quick exercise when you go to the doctor's office. I want you to envision a good conversation with the doctor and I want you to take a lot of deep, very slow and controlled breathing. And when he did that, he noticed his heart rate was really low. He noticed his breathing was low and his blood pressure was actually low. His stress was really low. And he said, Dana, I can't believe my numbers have changed just like that. I said, exactly. It's so important to breathe. And we do this in a business setting as well. We coach mindset with our our clients all the time and we can't give them all the practicals and tools. We want to make sure people go get your workbook, but we always tell them to breathe. Just breathe before that big meeting with that client. And you know the client's going to decide between you or somebody else. Just take a couple of deep breaths because you want to match your client's wavelength. You want to match their energy. You can't do that if you're stressing out, if you're freaking out. Go ahead and just breathe. And I want to make sure that at this time, we don't give away all your tips. We <laughs> really want people to get the workbook. But really, at the end of the day, when we think about a lot of business people and athletes, there's a lot of self-doubt. There's mm. so much self-doubt. Even if you're in the championship game, there's a lot of self-doubt. How do you help athletes, professionals, how do you help them to overcome that self-doubt? And we talked about that free, just freezing, the flight, the fight thing. But how do you just help these athletes just just look, stop, unfreeze right now. Let's do this. Uh, Lisa, why don't you? we start off with you to answer it? And then and, and Dr. T, if you want to jump on as well, you're more than welcome to. But let's go ahead and start off with that and, and go from there because I want to give some tips, but not all the tips, because I really want people to go through the workbook and do the work, if that's okay with you.
3: I want to quickly hop in and say, because I appreciate that medical analogy. We literally learned about that phenomena in medical school, white coat hypertension that people are in their blood pressure go up when they go into the doctor's office because they freak out and because there's likely childhood trauma related to getting a bunch of being held down and getting a bunch of shots but that's a whole other story back to you lisa
2: (laughs) yes of course thank you for that yes and so well it's interesting because i don't want people to think that there's a magic pill for that you know the breath i mean we keep coming back to it that's the most effective in the moment thing. And as I like to say, hey, it's free. Like you don't got to buy nothing. It's not on sale. It's not discounted. It's free. So why would you not engage in it? My philosophy and the way I look at it is that you treat every moment of every competition or performance the same. We don't put more pressure on ourselves the last moment of a match, the 18th hole. We don't do that. We stay even in our approach. We stay even in what we're doing, no matter how we feel. And that goes back to, and I'm not going to give up all our tips, but like, what is your pre-competition or pre-performance routine? How setting that up leads the brain to know this is what's happening next. Those of us who parents can know that and realize, you know, when we tell our kids the bedtime story, you know, well, we start if you back, back up from the routine. It's time to wash your face. It's time to brush your teeth. It's time to go use the restroom. It's time to get in bed. Every step of that routine gets them closer to being asleep in REM because they know and expect it. Sustain so with routines in performance in corporate America, CEO, C-suite, whatever, elite athlete, don't change a stuff. I was just talking with one of my athletes on the roots. The last 10 or 15 minutes of the game, I get super fatigued mentally and physically. I was like, this is what we're going to do. We're going to talk about the sort of physical and maybe medical piece of that. But I think that's all mental towards there at the 10, to 15 minute end. So some of the positive self-statements we came up with was like, I play these minutes like any other minute. I can do anything for 10 to 15 minutes. As I move through this part of my competition, I am refreshed and rejuvenated. Like, so like, we don't put that pressure on ourselves there because we've prepared from the beginning to the end and we want to stay even. We want to stay in our zone and perform from there.
3: I love that. I'm about to take my phone out. It's like, can you say that again so I can record it and play it? <laughs> <laughs> the next time I have to talk to an angry patient or something. <laughs> that was amazing. That was amazing. And so yeah, I'll just, I'll throw in my two cents with two mindset shifts that I think are really, really important for anyone dealing with self-doubt. I think the, the first one is this simple shift from thinking in your head over and over and ruminating on this idea of what if it goes wrong? What if this goes wrong? What if I do this wrong? To shifting into what if this goes right? And what if I do this right? Mm. That's a huge, 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 huge self-confidence booster. If you're able to shift into a mindset of you being successful, of you executing something correctly, that will completely change your life. So that's one thing. The other one is kind of a a funny, you know, (laughs) showing my humanity, showing my human side kind of moment piece of advice. My brother is weirdly great when it comes to relationship advice, even though he's single and hasn't really, you know, anyway, won't get into his whole, (laughs) won't get into his business. Anyway, great relationship advice. I remember when I was getting out of college and i have been dating someone for years and broke up and it was really awful. And I was just like crying, crying. I was like, oh, uh, like, he just makes me so mad because of this. He makes me so mad. And he said to me in that moment, my brother was like, Tiana, you know, no one can make you feel anything. And I was like, what are you talking about? Like, he's doing this thing and it's making me mad. And blah, blah. He's like, no, no, no. Like, you're deciding to get mad about that. Like, he's doing something and like, that's whatever, that's on him, But like, you are deciding in your mind and in your body to like, be angry about that. And I was just like, wait a second. So I went to all of the school and yet you are so much smarter than me in this way, like just navigating a mindset. And that's, that's I think, something I focus on a lot. I think a lot of our self-doubt and a lot of questioning ourselves comes from the influence of other people and things that other people said to us over the years, things that other people put on us in terms of expectations. And so I think that's something that's really, really important to think about too, is these things are coming from us. Like this thought of, oh my gosh, what if I can't do X, Y, and Z? Like, that is us pulling in all of these outside pressures and influences and taking it all in and interpreting that as, like, I'm a failure. And so, if we're able to say, okay, even if somebody else is saying, I should be doing this or I should be here or I should be this or what all the could, shoulds, woulds in the world out there, like, I know this within myself that I'm capable, I'm strong, and like, that's what I'm going to project outwards. And so, those two shifts from the what if it goes wrong to what if it goes right and the no one can make me feel anything. I decide how I feel and how to move through things. Those two are really, really important shifts that I hold on to and have to remind myself of all the time, literally all the time. It's so frustrating. I'm like, I know these things. I know them in my brain. And then like two days later, I'm like super upset about something and doubting myself again. So the <laughs> intentionality of practicing and coming back to these things frequently is almost as important as knowing them in the first place. Brother did, this up. is...
2: I have to say tea dropping <laughs> <laughs> no. I think it's, it's about what you're talking about, is which a lot of our athletes do, or especially in the high school and collegiate, is compare this, themselves to other people.
1: Yes. Yep.
2: No. That's where the self-doubt comes in, right? <laughs> Someone's doing that, you're watching them on social media or something or on TV, like or in your own game, watching your teammates, like, oh, well, I should be like her or him, or and why am I I'm doing something wrong? I think to explain Self doubt will come in and not be surprised when it does. And then back to that, let's have a response. What's our response? So, see, y'all got to pick up this book. I'm going to flash it right now. Bam. Yes. Yes. Of <laughs> There's yeah. Yes. <laughs> this is let's go, T, that you're going to be getting within this. So, <laughs> well, well,
1: this is David, by the way. And let me say this, uh, Dr. T, Tiana, your brother may not have been married, uh, very observant, (laughs) very insightful. But the truth of the matter is most athletes and most C-suite members, business owners, when they're going through their role, their job, it's hard. They have blind spots. They have areas that they're going to miss. And they need to bring in resources like yourself and Lisa to be able to come in and say, here's what we're seeing that you don't see. Or here's what we're going to do to help enhance that. Even the great Hussein Boat, fastest man, Flat out was incredible, incredible career, fastest minute do it. Talked about even for less than a 10 second race, how many hours and hours and hours he put in with his coaches. How to get off the block, because that was one of his, his biggest challenges was getting off the block. He was never one of the fastest, but how do you get off the block? How do you keep that speed? How do you keep that form? And why is it that he kept speeding up through the tape and everybody else was slowing down? All these things happen from an outside set of eyes, outside set of opinions being able to say, let's come in, let's help you there. So there's a reason why we need you, ladies. There's a reason why we need you in the field. We need you to tell us what we're not seeing because we want to be our best. And so even though your brother wasn't married, it's great that he was able to see these things, Tiana. But I want to ask this question real quick when it comes to your work here with the Ath Mindset. You have a workshop as well that you put together that complements the workbook. Talk about what athletes, what leaders can expect from going through a workshop that you provide on this?
3: Absolutely. I am really excited that I was able to infuse this workshop instruction into the book. And again, that goes back to Lisa's brilliance of being like, let's put in QR codes. Let's find a way to make this book even more engaging than it already is. And so this goes back to 2019. It's actually when I created my first mental health workshop for athletes with Princeton student-athletes. I was in my public health degree at the time. And... I realized that like a lot of the lessons that I learned about mental health came from my time as a student athlete. And I wanted to give that back to the school in an intentional way. Like I didn't want to be, I accidentally stumbled through all the challenges I did and stumbled my way into therapy and figured this stuff out along the way. No, I was like, we are going to be intentional about giving people the tools that they need and helping student athletes be leaders in taking on their own mental health. And so the workbook does actually include a link to a workshop both PowerPoint slides and a facilitator guide that walks people through how to lead a workshop on mental health for an athletic team or for a group. And so that is something that, again, kind of breaks down the workshop in a different way and helps stimulate conversation and discussion around what does mental health mean to you? What does it look like to be mentally well? What does it look like to not be mentally well? How did your family think about mental health and mental wellness growing up? what are some of these skills that we can learn and practice all together today? And how can we make a commitment to our mental health? All of that stuff is included in this workshop.
1: This is Danny. And I really want to encourage our audience that's listening today, look, pick up the book, number one. And number two, attend the workshop. And I'm going to expand on that in just a moment. I will tell everybody out there, there's something that I've convinced my wife to do. And I know that's going to sound crazy, but I did this thing called Wim Hof a while ago. And I did these things called ice baths that would just shock you no matter what. And before I jumped into the ice bath or before I turned into the ice cold shower, instead of thinking about it, I imagined myself, because I ran track in high school, I would just say, three, two, one, or ready, set, go. And I would jump in. I know mentally, if I don't go in that shower, if I don't get into the ice bath, when I say go, I won't do it. And so that was always my clicker that, Three, two, one, go. And I just do it. Whether I felt like it or not, I just did it. And so I've actually convinced her to go and do the cold plunge. You know, she's not, she's not excited about it. But mentally, there's so many benefits, from my health benefits for doing it. But really, it's a mental thing for me. It's the breathing. Slowing down the breath actually allows your body to assimilate really easily in cold situations rather than this shallow, quick breathing. So I want to encourage your audience, look, don't just pick up the workbook attend a workshop. And that leads to this question I have here for the you, Dr. T and Lisa is, are you going to expand these workshops? Because I believe that not only athletes in NCAA, high school, middle school, not only professional athletes need this, I believe so many people in the corporate world need this as well. They need your workshop. A workbook is one thing, but having a coach right there to help you is so much more crucial. And I can even see us bringing this into our business for our clients that we coach every single day. Are you expanding these workshops because everybody wants to be a part of it? I mean, Wim Hof can only do so much. He had to go train the trainers and have them come down here because there's no way I'm flying out to where he's at. He's got to come to hot Texas, you know? So tell us, are you expanding these workshops because we all need to know.
3: Yeah, that's actually the fact that you said the train the trainer model is awesome. That's what I was doing for the Princeton student-athletes. So they have student athlete wellness leaders that I was then teaching how to run this workshop in this way for their teams, which was really cool. because So they could have that intimate moment together as a team and do that part. But yeah, I personally have done workshops all over from, you know, little middle school, elementary school age kids, all the way up to college level. Workshops for parents around mental health, for athletic departments, coaches around mental health. And at least I've been speaking all over the world, quite literally. So she's the one I'm trying to learn from when it comes to athlete mental
2: health. T, oh my God. Anyway, don't don't get me getting to boo-hooing a little bit about (laughs) like Just what we're building, I'm just so proud. I'm proud of how we've come together. But I do workshops pretty much almost every day in some form or fashion. So I have a couple teams that I meet with weekly. They're going to take different forms than what's in our book. But what is in our book is like a nice thing to follow. Then you can customize and make it your own and make it the team's own. Because you need to speak and coach to your people, to your team, to your clients, whatever position you're in. I'm actually going to do a team retreat with the collegiate uh, beach volleyball team this weekend. And so there's, there's, I present to coaches, ADs. So it depends, but there's always this need for like, what is mental health? Break it down for me. And how can I empower the people I'm serving or caring for to have that conversation in a confident, vulnerable, authentic way. And so we support while we're presenting. So it's what I love to do. I think T's excellent at it. It's something that we both love and it's a way that we can touch people in several groups at once. And so, yes, just hit us up and we'll create a a (laughs) customized program for you. I mean, that's real. Like I sit down with the coaches and I say, like, what is the dynamic of your team right now? How can I help? How do you want it to look? Do we want to do this? So there's a lot of planning and collaboration before to make sure it meets the needs of their players in this case. So
1: yeah, we love doing it. Awesome. This is David. And I want to say this has been an incredible conversation. I want to audit workshops. Please invite me. I will be there. I promise to zip my lips and be a fly on the wall because part of what you do, both of you, is what we try to practice with our business. It's what we provide our clients as executive coaches. No, we don't have the medical background. We have experience. We have observation. But there are a lot of things that you guys are teaching, a lot of things that you're putting into this book that we could take from and learn to say this is necessary. So if you're listening to our program today and you are a coach, you're an athletic director, you're a director of personnel, you're a business owner, a C-suite member, You need this resource. Add to your mental health toolbox. Make this a part of your practice. Bring this in to support your athletes. Bring this in to support your C-suite members, your managers, your directors. They're working hard for you and your business. Why not invest in them? They've got a facilitator's guide for you. Co-written by a physician, a licensed mental health consultant, professional mental performance consultant, they empower leaders, athletes on all levels, offering the tools that to elevate mental health well-being to help you thrive both on and off of the field of play. I want you right now to go to Amazon. Pick up the Ath Mindset workbook, training your mind for optimal mental health in sport and in life. And to learn more about Lisa Baltasumi and her work, visit AthMindset.io. You can follow her club as well also find her on LinkedIn. Find Dr. Tiana Wildridge on LinkedIn. You can find her on Instagram under the handle, call me Dr. underscore T. Just say Dr. T, you'll get a hold of her. Ladies, thank you for joining our program. Thank you for sharing about this incredible resource. We're glad to partner with you. We're glad to help push this out there. We can't wait to hear about all the great success and the results that are going to come from these different leaders saying, we need this resource in our organization. Thank you for joining our program.
3: Thank you Thank for having us. us. It's an honor. It's an honor, truly. Thank you.
0: Athlete Mindset is part of the source Podcast Network. At source we love podcasts. In fact, we love building podcasts, everything from development to production. Because of all that, we're growing this one-of-a-kind podcast network. If you have a podcast or looking to launch a new podcast, then we should talk. You can message me on Twitter at Eric underscore Kaz or hit us up any way that works for you by searching Kaz Source on your social media app of choice. Let's talk about your podcast joining this one of a kind podcast network, the Kaz Source Podcast Network.